Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Six PM. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com/slash-with-amex. Terms apply. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Blue Wire. It's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Here comes Sexton. Some rhythm. And he got it! Young ball continues to wear him out! Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Hello and welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag and part of the Blue Wire Network. Justin Rowan is still uh, going up to swim up bars, um, chain, you know, tweeting away, uh, ignoring his wife, I'm sure, and uh, Puerto Vallarta. So uh, this is Carter Rodriguez, your host, along with uh, you know. Uh, basically replacing Mort as the honorary uh, third member of the Chase Down since Mort um failed to upgrade from a 10 can uh jeff nomina how's it going jeff the lowest point in my life is being the backup mort i'm gonna uh, be honest no no it's the opposite you've replaced him oh perfect okay well if mort's the backup me then that makes me feel much better yeah like if it, if you had failed it, it it probably would have been me like all right am i gonna subject everyone to mort mort's <laughs> takes and mort's mic quality does Mort um, not listen to podcasts? Is he like Zavak? So like, there's no chance he'll ever hear this, so we can trash him as much as we want. I don't think Mort consumes much Cavs content these days. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know when I know Mort's mailing it in? When he tweets, ah, comma, the, the Cavaliers, or something along that line, and then doesn't tweet the rest of the game. <laughs> like, he got the notification on his phone that it was tip-off. He knows, okay, I have, to, I have to tweet my tweet. He doesn't even get the notifications about what the score is at halftime or anything no, anymore. No, couldn't possibly be less interested. Uh, so uh, after, uh, on, I believe it was Sunday, Monday, days run together. And our last podcast, uh, you and I eored our way uh, up and down the podcast sphere. I said, I wish we were the Orlando Magic. It got dark. <laughs> um, 
in the meantime, the Cavs uh, on Wednesday night. It's Wednesday, right? That sounds right. Yep. Hey. Uh, we did it. On Wednesday night, the Cleveland Cavaliers broke a 12-game home losing streak by beating the piss out of the Atlanta Hawks, 105-127. And everything's fun again, right, Jeff? I, I don't know if there's ever been a better slump-busting team than the Atlanta Hawks. That, right. that was amazing. Nothing could be more fun than playing this garbage team because they're going to score, so you kind of have to keep going, and they will not stop you no matter what. And neither can nor have the inclination to stop you. And even from a Cavs standpoint, where we're like trying to talk ourselves into these young players who are you know, showing some signs and some stuff, but we're not going to pretend like they're lighting the world on fire. You know, of course they have Trey Young, but watching Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter and stuff, like it kind of makes you feel a little bit better about yourself, doesn't it? Doesn't it yeah. make you feel like just a little bit better about our guys? It's yeah, like, the oh, conversation is not that bad. Watching this game, it actually made me think, like, who's had a tougher time this season, Cavs fans or Hawks fans? Because I actually think it's pretty clearly Hawks fans. Yeah, they were kind of sitting on top of the world with all those assets, and they turned it into a bunch of poo. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's so funny because last year they were kind of this – darling team that's like hey they you know i think everyone saw a nets-esque trajectory for them though i guess this season for the nets has kind of thrown it off but uh you know the last couple years the nets have played really good basketball and didn't have the talent to really succeed and then as they started picking up talent here and there all of a sudden it started looking like oh okay they they ended up making the playoffs last year this hawks team i think we kind of saw that from them last year where they looked really competent, even though they didn't have the talent to really make it work. So I think we all kind of were hoping they'd take the next step, but you know they jettisoned a lot of vets, um, though they've tried to replace that in trading for Jeff Teague, Clint Capella, and Dwayne Dedman at the deadline. Um, and yeah, just nothing's really come together. Kevin Herter kind of took a little step back. John Collins missed a lot of time. Uh, with a suspension for PEDs, Reddish is bad. A uh, Hunter is underwhelming. Like it's just a lot of youth on the wing, and if anyone can relate to inexperienced bad defenders on the wing, it should be Cavs fans. But it's just really not working, and in a way that kind of makes you worried that they're not heading in the right direction. If you're a Hawks fan, and I think that they. You know, Trey Young's clearly extremely talented and going to be really good. But they got a huge pass for not just taking Luca. But now that they've kind of turned all the Luca assets into Cam Reddish and, you know, they're kind of walking out with this stuff, man, they need to reevaluate. Or we all need to kind of reevaluate that trade, right? Well, in fairness, we just get to yell at the teams who made more obvious mistakes, like the Kings. Um, but yes. yeah, it's. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a tough look for them, and man, I haven't watched a ton of Hawks this season. I won't lie; I don't remember it being this unwatchable from Trey Young. I mean, it is James Harden light with a smaller frame. So every, I mean, he was selling every bump, and it was just unwatchable. He was one of the more fun watches in the league for me last year. I know you don't necessarily agree, but he was not foul hunting like this last season. No, and he was definitely more fun. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm like a full blown Trey Young hater or anything. I just, 
I wonder what happens when he gets in a playoff series. He feels like one of those guys who's a darling of everyone until we kind of have to start caring about it. You know, when somebody's on a bad team, they can just be fun. But once you have to start caring, once they get to a playoff series, I kind of wonder what he's going to look like with his defense. And so it's not that I don't enjoy watching him play, but yeah, that was... I don't right now. That that was hideous. I mean, and honestly, I think that reckoning is going to come a lot earlier for him because he's getting the attention that comes with being an all-star starter. And it's like, you watch that. And I mean, we've talked, Justin and I have talked about it a billion times with Harden and with Russ. It's Ponzi scheme basketball. It's a, it's a perversion of what good offense looks like to chase numbers for one guy. And yeah. And especially if they're trying to develop a bunch of other guys, you know, the thing with Harden is they're able to plug and play some vets that have kind of gotten to a point in their career where, you know, a lot of the vets, on Houston are guys that weren't going to find success somewhere else. Like this role with Houston works for a lot of those guys. But when you're trying to develop a bunch of young guys who are just kind of standing around with him, I don't know that that works nearly as well. And I'm not pretending like we're better off not having Trey Young. I would trade, you know, my soul for Trey Young in a heartbeat. But yeah, it's just not like, having watched it, much of it, that was kind of jarring. It just feels like the kind of thing that keeps you exactly where you're at forever. Like, it's so hard once you go down the Harden and Houston road to have any different style. I, to that extent, you know, I, I feel bad for the Daryl Morris of the world, even though they're in a prison of their own making. Because once you start doing that, it's like, what are, what are we going to run the motion now? <laughs> like, like, you kind of have to just play that way till Harden's not in your team anymore. And Atlanta should be, I think, a little nervous that that's what they're going to end up being. And, and, Hart and Young is not half the player Harden is. So if it, it just feels like they're really setting themselves up to get Trey Young a bunch of 40 and 10s and very few wins down the line. Yeah, it could definitely be sort of a Devin Booker thing here in a couple of years where it's a lot of numbers. You can't deny how good he is at scoring, but you're just wondering, does it all make sense? Like, like when, Can when it does it start to, to look like basketball? <laughs> right. It just it is just the weirdest trend in in, in basketball right now. Is this I, maybe it's analytically driven? I know for the Rockets it is, um, but it just doesn't look right. And I'm not going to believe in it till I see it functionally work in, against a really good team. And I, it hasn't happened yet. I mean, I guess if you want to say the Utah Jazz are a really good team, then this style works, but. I'm not comfortable putting them in that category. So, yeah, it was just a very, very strange experience. Um, but for the Cavs, it was actually quite fun. Even And all three big men who played uh, had amazing games. Uh, Tristan Thompson hit three of his three attempts from three uh, for 27 points, 11 rebounds on the day. Uh, Andre Drummond. Six of ten from the field and fifteen boards in just twenty-two minutes. He had five turnovers, but uh, you know, I think some of those were uh, guard aided in the sense that <laughs> not the best passes go into his hands. Yeah. Um, and then Larry Nance had, I think, one of his best games as a Cavalier, putting up twenty-three and twelve. You know, it's a game like this where you go, "Hey, maybe this big man thing can work," and you just can ride whoever the hot hand is at center between Drummond and Thompson, and always beat teams up for offensive rebounds. I mean, the Cavs combined that those three players combined for 16 offensive rebounds. Yeah. I like, 
too, how Nance can kind of, he's played great these last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, he's, he's a really nice addition where he moves the ball. You can kind of get him going, get him initiating some things and really making smart passes. I like that he can kind of scale up and down. You don't need him to score 20 points every night, but he can do that here and there. And he can also kind of fall back and take just a couple shots. I, I like how he kind of is malleable in this, in this lineup and can kind of just do what's needed. It feels like they kind of need that, especially with trying to feed all these other guys. But Drummond looked really engaged. You could see some good things going on there. I'm excited for, you know, he and Love seem to have a little bit of, of a game uh, last time we talked. So, you know, I think, I think all four of those guys kind of have a role. And Tristan's just really good. Like, I feel like we don't acknowledge enough just how much better Tristan is. Like, we still treat him like 2016, 2017 Tristan, where he's just kind of this defensive guy, rebounder. But he's been putting up points all year. He's been playing really, really well all year. Yeah, I mean... The thing is, it's just the defensively. I don't think he fits this personnel. Um, if he went to a switchier team, again, I would have loved him for Houston, um, where he can just be garbage man and switch onto guards defensively. Like switching just doesn't glean the Cavs much of an advantage, at least in the starting line. Now that that bench is much bigger. Thompson, McKinney, um, Porter, Exum. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Nance when he's coming off the bench. That's That makes a little bit more sense for Tristan um, because he can be a little switchier. But, you know, ultimately, like, it does feel like the league's moving back towards these drop dif- drop uh, coverage defenders. Uh, and the switching is just get, coming out of vogue a little bit. Uh, and maybe that's just because it does feel like isolation scoring is on its way back up after a pretty long stretch of it getting more and more marginalized to the point where the Warriors were leading this switching revolution where they're like, yeah, unless you're like LeBron, we don't really care who we switch on to you. Yeah. And there are a lot of good big men now too. You know, there's been kind of an influx there with Embiid and Towns and Jokic and some of these guys. So I think that helps too, where you kind of have to, it's harder to play small all the time because so many teams can go big on, you now. Well, I'd tell the Rockets that. Um, <laughs> I can't enjoy the Rockets thing. I don't yeah, enjoy watching them. I, play, I, enjoy I enjoy this. Like they're doing this. The, the, this at least is interesting. It's like we. I think part of the reason we're also out on the Rockets is that the experiment was like, all right, we're in season three. Are you, this isn't that interesting. Like it's no longer a novelty, and it's not that fun to watch. Whereas, like watching five guys scramble around like maniacs to try to cover for the fact that their tallest player is six six. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Do you think they can pull that off without PJ Tucker? Like, is he the thing that makes that all work? Yeah, I mean, it feels like people are so split on Tucker. Like, like everyone on the NBA Twitter and Tallahassee just adores him. But I do think Cavs Twitter is especially hard on him because he was. Remember when the Raptors picked him up and he was supposed to be the guy to throw at LeBron? I mean, there's been so many of those guys. I, like, sometime we should just make a list of all the guys who were supposed to be the LeBron stopper. Yeah. Like when Morris was and the Clippers literally traded for Marcus Morris to be a LeBron stopper. Isn't that so (laughs) infuriating to you? Yes. Didn't he have some quote? I can't remember it now. He had some quote about it too, right? Wasn't he talking trash to LeBron? Yeah, He he talked shit to the LeBron during one of the sweeps, him and Stanley Johnson, Um, Stanley Johnson, Stanley, the manly. Um, Yeah, it was, uh, it was not great. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, going back to this this Cavs win, like Nance at the four, um, I will say one positive for it. If a team isn't playing small ball, small ball destroys Larry Nance. 
to be clear, mm-hmm. is that if you want – and I noticed that the Hawks played double bigs most of the time, which, you know, I guess that's your roster. But um, the small ball kills Larry, but when you do play two bigs and he's at the four – I do feel like his shot blocking just ticks up just a little bit. Like he's a bad rim protector and we know this, but as a weak side uh, free safety type, he actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think he does like a lot of the little things. Yeah. He does a lot of little stuff. He gets deflections. He does some smart things. He can be exposed pretty bad too. He's just such a weird player. I don't know. So like there's weird. times where I love watching him. There's times where I'm super excited and there's times where I'm, I mean, this was I just fun. Want him off the floor. I mean, he was fun almost every second he was on the court today. And he's been good for a little while now. He's had a stretch here where he's doing a lot. He's a lot more involved. And maybe yeah. that's part of it. Maybe he does need more involved. Maybe everything I was saying earlier about him being able to scale up and down is BS. And maybe that is the, the trick to unlock him. But I, when he is engaged and moving the ball around and, and trying to make things happen and not just kind of fading into the background. I, I think good things happen fairly often. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely a bright spot. And uh, another really awesome bright spot from this game was Kevin Porter just continues to light it up. Uh, in his last seven games, he scored 21, 13, 19, 12, 13, 17, 18. Only topped 30 minutes uh, twice in that stretch and only shot less than 50% uh, twice. Uh, five of 12 and five of 11. So he's really, really playing good basketball and it's getting harder and harder to justify not giving him more and more minutes. Yeah. I mean, he should absolutely be one of, if not the biggest priority for the back half of the year here, especially as Garland's kind of sucking wind. Yeah. It kind of feels like Garland, although he's, a little bit better time, but it feels like he's just kind of running on fumes and you know, let Porter get more chances, let him get some more minutes. Well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like it's easy to say, but it's harder to do in practice. I mean, 30 minutes is about where you want him to be, I think. Um, but it's like it's just so hard to watch them when he's not out there because he's such a fun part of this team's development. And but he's I really think in ways that a lot of the other guys just don't have. He just yeah. knows where to be and he just naturally finds that spot he's not overthinking it he just knows how to play the game and it, it's kind of striking how few of the guys have that on the roster when he's out there it really jumps out yep like even just like if he's open from three on a kick out and they're flying at him he he is so decisive with the ball um something that i kind of thought was going to be more of a problem with him uh yeah he's just playing really really well lately and it's the thing is I don't know if there if a move to the starting lineup makes sense because it requires someone else taking kind of a, a public ego hit that might not be necessary you know like because you I mean conceivably you could put him in for Jetty but Jetty's playing okay uh, today notwithstanding when he just couldn't hit the broad side of a barn but you're not benching Sexton given the way Sexton's played uh, for the past month and Garland like. I mean, you can, but it just seems like such a, a needless admission uh, unless he kind of wants it, unless he needs a break. I don't know. I don't know. What yeah, to do you don't want to. He had a much get, better game today. Yes, he finally looked a little bit better. But, yeah, with Garland, you don't want to lose him. You don't want to bench him because 
he's struggling and you know you're, you're trying to get you, you don't want to be doing it for the right reasons to get porter in there and to give him a, some a break because he just looks a little bit lost but you don't want him to just be so down that it's hard for him to come back from that yeah i agree um you know it would just you if you're going to change the lineup um you just can't be sloppy and another way you should avoid being sloppy is not wearing your button-down shirts untucked they look bad jeff why because they weren't meant to be worn that way thankfully there's untuck it the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked no matter your shape or size untuck it shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length with more than 50 plus fit combinations untuck it shirts look great on tall short slim and athletic guys of all ages is athletic a euphemism for muscular here oh yeah for sure because i there's definitely a difference there right like if you can be slim and athletic like what's the idea that you got like big shoulders or something like you're just how many people need those shirts why wouldn't you just say muscular who's hurt who's hurt by this Maybe, maybe the slim fit people. Maybe the slim fit people are, are thinking that they're muscular, but really, they're just really slim. they're 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 not athletic. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I have an important question though. What? Are these shirts bulgy? <laughs> no, they're not. With untuck it, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button downs. You can choose from wrinkle button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. And their website is so easy to use, Jeff. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. You would think the whole website's that page. So, whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuckit is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Now... Jeff. I have one Let's, more question. Hit me. Hit me. Keep them coming. Any, do any of the shirts have wrinkles? Sometimes I just need a nice wrinkly shirt. Do you not hear? I, I did a callback to that one too, and you're on it. <laughs> I said they have wrinkle-free button-downs. They have wrinkle button-downs. Because <laughs> you can get the ones that are wrinkle-free, or you can go out of your way to get the ones that uh, that look like shit. Is that a sort function? Can I sort by wrinkled? <laughs> Yeah, you can. So, Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Namana. Last uh, when we last spoke, um, we unveiled our BetOnline.ag safe bet of the week, presented by, of course, BetOnline. Uh, and both of our bets uh, were again they were a little negative. Um, you bet that Darius Garland. Actually, no, you bet that he would make a three uh, yes, this week. Yes, a three-pointer. A three-pointer. And unfortunately, uh, with his 0-2 effort uh, in this game and the all-star break of coming, um, your your safe bet has lost, uh, showing that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a sure thing, you guys. Um, and uh, checking in on mine, that uh, Andre Drummond is uh, going to uh, rent, not buy, his home in Cleveland. Oh, well, he just played 22 minutes uh, and got benched for Tristan Thompson down the stretch. So even in a win, I still think he's uh, – I don't think he's hit up his realtor just yet. So I like that, was, that I was trying to be optimistic. And then we had one of the best games of the year, and I still failed. 
That was uh, our catch up on the betonline.ag safe bet of the week. Betonline.ag is your online sports book expert. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for a 50% welcome bonus. I wonder what um, Kevin, our, our fearless leader of the Blue Wire Network, I wonder what his, uh, what he deci- why he decides to have the promo be blue for some and blue wire for others. Do you think Ooh, that's client-driven? I think it's client-driven. Yeah. yeah, they probably all have a different number of characters or something they have to have for the code, right? I wasn't even thinking character count, but that makes a lot more sense because you can't imagine they got a sales guy over at, you know, at Untuck It who, brought, who advertised on at least 75% of podcasts in America. <laughs> like... Like, really nailing down style on promo codes. That doesn't seem likely. I wonder how they picked that, too. Like, like that's the perfect product. That might be the most perfect podcast product. Untuck it? I, I think it's, uh, I think it's Manscaped. Because it's, yeah. like, a thing that's, like, a little, like, you know, maybe radio might not give you that one. Like, they might be a little, you know, uh, a little antsy. But, like, you know the podcasters are fine talking about their nuts. Yeah, they're going to eat that. In copy. And they're going to have fun with it, and it's fine. Uh, but, yeah, it's either, I mean, it's, honestly, it's probably dick pills in the end. That's that's always going to be the There's nothing more jarring than getting into a podcast, being pretty cool, like, all right, you know, there's a host I really identify with. I like this host quite a bit. And then they just start reading those ED reads. Man, this guy kind of weird. Well, right? like that's why we all send a podcast. We find like people we like and you know follow them. And so all of a sudden they're like, "Listen, let me tell you about this." It, well, it gets well, I, I think we're far enough away from the ad reads that no one's going to catch us talking about this. But where I really took issue with one of the more recent Roman reads is that <laughs> it basically implies that we have <laughs> ED. <laughs> Normally those reads are like sterile enough, you know. Where it's like, ah, no you know, a lot of dudes have a problem. This one's like, yeah, you make excuses. Like, I just am not feeling it today. <laughs> I'm like, I don't say that. <laughs> People emailing you to make sure you're okay. Yeah, don't put that thing. evil on me. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, uh, I, I, I probably just cost the Blue Wire Network, you know, a cool. We, we definitely needed the ED read on our last one when we were just so down the entire time. Yeah, we, need, like, we needed a, a picker-upper. Um, <laughs> but actually, that's a good transition because I wanted to spend the back half of this podcast uh, because we eored so hard. Uh, we, we, we fully channeled our dear friend David Zavak, who will never hear this reference. And I got to say, we were kind of buzzkills. So, um, well, there was no buzz to kill uh, unless you were sad drinking. But... <laughs> With that said, um, I think it is time to put on our Rowan hat, our Justin Rowan, uh, rose-colored, our Rowan-colored glasses, if you will, and start prognosticating what the best-case scenario for this core is. So I'm kind of wondering, from on your end, if if this if things go well for the Cavs in the next couple years, and things are and all their moves are kind of starting to to play out in the way that they'd hope. What does that Cavs team look like, and how likely do you think it is that they can get there? I think 
with the guys we have now, and even looking at this draft, it's still going to be the next year or so is building out a really solid roster waiting to just drop a star on it. I think you're right. I think like if you're looking at the pieces that make sense on this roster, you know, it's not inconceivable. And again, we're, we've got our rose colored glasses on. Uh, no, we're not here to be uh, scolded for being unrealistic uh, by the commentariat. Uh, you know, you look at Darius Garland, off ball shooter, Jetty Osmond, off ball shooter, Andre Drummond, dive man, garbage man, um, picking up, you know, the pieces around Larry Nance, playmaking, some shooting at the four or five hybrid. Um, you know, Love and Thompson, I think it's pretty unlikely that they're here moving forward. But then you have Porter and Sexton, both kind of filling volume scoring roles. Uh, but I do think that the second you get that dominant wing, I think it's probably a wing that makes the most sense on this next good Cavs roster. That, you know, that star that kind of fits in. But, you know, like even let's say like an Anthony Edwards ends up being the guy uh, from Georgia, I believe. Like if you do have a, a genuine star at that, you know, at a six four six five combo guard, everything makes sense. All these pieces make sense as complementary pieces, except maybe Colin Sexton. But we've always talked about him as a potential bench player, right? Yeah, he makes a ton of sense as a six man. And I, I think people take that as an insult, and I don't mean it as one at all. Like, there's a bunch of really important good six men out there. Like, they, that's a great role for him. One thing I do think, I still think, though, and again, this might be viewed as Sexton slander, I don't see him as a Lou Williams S six man who is a starter masquerading as a bench player. No. I, I do think he's going to be a 24 to 28 men of the game player. I think he could get his defense to a point and I don't think he's ever going to be a good passer, but if he's just a willing passer, like tonight he was a willing passer. Six he need to, yeah. He doesn't need to see great windows and be throwing great passes, but just a willing, you know, make the easy pass guy. He could be like a six man who closes some games for you sometimes, like based on matchups, based on how lineups going, he plays through the end with you. Yeah. Especially on nights where Darius is a little colder. I think, I think the other thing that really – the most conceivable path forward for Darius to become that maybe second best guy on a, on a solid team and maybe third best guy on, a, on a, a truly good team is the shooting just has to get to what it was rip, – its reputation. Mm-hmm. Like that feels like the number one thing. Like I don't actually care that much about his finishing. I don't really care that much – about his passing if he is if if he can unlock the version of himself that the Cavs kind of thought they were buying at the fifth pick that is a just a truly lights out incendiary off the bounce three-point shooter everything just is easy for him and makes so much more sense and I'm not I, I it's not that I'm not ready to write it off but like and I do think you have to temper it after, you know, a, a half a season of it. But I do kind of want to see what he looks like post-All-Star break. I'm glad he's not a rising star. Let's just say that much. Let this guy just chill for a, a week. Yeah, he needs the time off. And I actually think his passing and that little floater game is maybe better than I expected. 
I kind of thought he was just going to have the shot and he was just going to kind of lean on that all the time. And he's almost reluctant to take it. I don't feel like he is just tossing up threes the way I expected, you know, step back and, and cut off screens and just launching them. I don't, he takes a lot, but I don't think they're as common as I expected. Yeah. But it's almost better that the thing he is struggling with is the thing he was supposed to be good at. I have more faith that he's going to get better at that because there's a history of him being good at it. Whereas the passing being a little bit better than we expected and that floater game being a little bit better further along than we expected, that gives me hope because those are things I didn't know if he could do at all. So the fact that he's doing them better than I expected, I think he can get to a point with that shot where that comes back because there's a history there. Yeah, the the thing that just has to happen though that you know if we're talking about our rose colored our own colored glasses that you know where things are really working out for this team as opposed to just being functional, he it can't just be good. He's got to be a forty percent three point shooter on volume. Yeah, and you know those are the truly rare shooters. I mean, even Trey Young. I mean, I, I'll pull it up right now, but. Trey, I Trey shot a terrible percentage last year from three relative. He was thirty-two percent. Yeah, and he's at thirty-seven right now on a diet of really, really difficult shots, taking nine point four a game. Um, if he's taking nine threes a game, nine and a half threes a game, thirty-seven percent gets a lot more feasible. Um, but you know, if he's in that six, seven attempts a game range, I really want him at least thirty-seven. Um, because now people are terrified to close out on him. Uh, and he, or I'm sorry, they're terrified as they close out on him. They're flying at him. He's able to create five on fours organically just by people closing out too hard on him. I mean, Steph and Trey are both amazing at this. Dame is very good at it as well. Um, and just like Trey, I think Trey is a really interesting case to build, even as we dogged him the entire first half of this pod. <laughs> Because Trey is similarly not athletically gifted with a similarly, if not quite as bad, uh, physical profile. He's all craft and he's all um, angles and playing off manipulating the defense to go where he wants them to go. And I and I do think that's a really easy path forward for Darius, even if he's never going to command the ball like Trey does. And I don't think that fits his play style anyway. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be hunting fouls and he's going to be getting to the line and and getting to the rim nearly as much. But I, I, does, I certainly don't ever think he's going to average nine assists a game. No, but I do think his passing is better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, but he Trey, Trey sees- has transcendent vision. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. He's never going to be Trey in that regard. But I think he could be yeah, – I don't know that I expect him to be like a star-level guy, but I still think he could be a really, really high-end starter with that shot and with just enough passing. Um, you know, you're assuming that a lot of the ball handling is going to come from whoever that star-level guy we're hoping to see in the next two years is. Um, so as like that secondary you know, guy who can create a bunch, I think he'll be great. I do yeah. think – Go ahead. Sorry. It is fun to see, you know, we we're kind of talking about what's the ceiling or what, you know, rose, rowan colored glasses for this team. Watching the Hawks is kind of a reminder of as much as I hate the new lottery odds and think they went too far, it is kind of nice to incentivize teams to have a structure because that Hawks team is gross going yes. all youth like this. And the Cavs, you know, it looks bad, but I really do think that if you plopped in a really high end 
prospect level guy, everything would make a lot more sense. And it is nice to kind of have that. And you're not wasting the first couple of years tanking to get a second star or chasing bad free agents just to add some talent around a young star kind of a thing. Like I like there is going to be a foundation. Should yeah. we get a star? Um, you know who I actually have a hard time figuring out in the, uh, in this ideal world that we're kind of building. What does Kevin Porter look like for this team? Because in our, in our current paradigm, right, we have Colin Sexton being kind of the bench volume scorer. Do you think, like, I, I'm struggling to figure out exactly what KPJ is in his best case scenario. Like, is he a DeRozan-esque creator uh, as a, like maybe a secondary ball handler with a little bit more willingness to shoot? Like, in the very best case scenario, like, how do you envision him fitting in uh, to the next great Cavs team, especially alongside another ball-dominant star? Yeah, and that's the hard thing. We have a lot of guys who need the ball in their hand, sure right? I, 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 so I don't know. I think he has a lot of great defensive instincts. I think he cuts well. You know, he finishes lobs and stuff, which is great. He's a willing shooter. Um, but can he play a role where he doesn't get to dribble around and start and stop and create space and fire up jumpers? Because, but I don't feel like you know, he does that that much here. He does a decent amount. I think when he gets the ball in his hand, he likes to, to dribble around and likes to. Yes, but he also is willing just to catch and shoot. Yeah, and and so straight I, line I, drive I, attack. And if we had a high level person who got others involved and could keep him engaged and getting shots, I think that helps a lot too. To yeah, that I think end, I to that end because I don't. I'm never going to trust a three point shot ever, ever, ever. While his form is this way. Um, it actually becomes pretty imperative that his defensive instincts that Justin and me and you like uh, turn into um, positive results on the court for the team. Yeah, it can't just be splash plays. Because if he, if he becomes a legitimately solid defender at the two-guard position, then you can afford some cold shooting nights because he you – know, you know who might be an interesting, even though – you're going to hate this comparison as I make it because they do play pretty differently, but the best version of KPJ might match something close to a Jalen Brown. Okay. Yeah. Like a straight guy line, who... straight line driver for the most part, not a ton of playmaking, but can do it to some extent. Um, can wor- work his way into a decent shooter uh, and use his length to become a good defender. Now Jalen's much bigger um but on a in the context of a good team that's what makes the most sense for me for kpj because i as much as uh, our dear friend rowan uh might feel otherwise i don't think he's a star no i'm with you on that i don't think he's gonna be and maybe it depends on what your definition of star is i think he could be one of our two or three best players in in if all the stars aligned perfectly on a you know decent team but I wouldn't say I'm expecting that. Yeah, I I think for when you if you pro- prognosticating star for KPJ, you're lead, you're thinking of him as a lead creating ball handler scorer, and I I find that pretty unlikely. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But yeah, he's a little bit a little bit hard to to fit in in the modern league. I mean, I remember on Sunday when we were talking through one of our few positives for just him, it was like. Not a lot of comps for him that aren't just superstars. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, like, what are these guys two or three years 
are they going to be okay not getting the ball in their hands when they're looking at their next contract and when they're trying to figure this all out? And yeah, that's going to be the hard part with this team, especially if we don't get that high level prospect. I think that's when things can get a little bit scary. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, but this team does have a path. You know, I mean, we've I've I've been happy to uh, or unhappy, I guess, to lament about how hard the path is forward. But there is a path. Things just have to break right, and you know, this team has interesting stuff worth watching. I mean, we didn't even mention Dylan Windler, who you know may or may not exist, or may or may not be, a, or be, or might just I'm be embarrassingly a, high on him. I mean, it, I'm embarrassed at how high I. Well, he might literally be a tax write-off. So I. <laughs> I how much better would you feel about the future of the team if this? Yeah, was turn, like a turns out Dylan draft. Dylan Windler's address is listed in Turks and Caicos. <laughs> how I much mean, better would you feel about this team though if this was a loaded draft? Like if we're talking about. Oh yeah, I'd feel eight. awesome. Yeah, like I think that's for me. It's even less than the team. Which don't get me wrong, there's plenty of things to be upset about with the team about at times. But if the it, it would all feel better if we were looking at like a high end draft. And I think that's a bummer. But you know, the draft is a crapshoot, and we could still very easily walk out of there with somebody who's great. And and this is why, you know, you really want as much as possible to be buying first round picks by taking on bad deals. Who knows how where the summer leads? But even in bad drafts, I think it's still smart to pick up additional first because you never know when you're going to find your Giannis's, your Kawhi's, uh, just kind of in the middle of that first where you might not have expected it. Um, mm-hmm. And those kinds of guys take all different sorts of shapes and sizes. I mean, hell, if they if they find a John Collins late in the first round like the Hawks did, right. not the worst outcome. Uh, and it's something that I, I think the team is cognizant of and is going to take as many cracks as they can in that first round. So things are, you know, things aren't good. And uh, we can, you know, uh, taking off those glasses that we've been wearing for the past 15, 20 minutes, things aren't good. We can acknowledge that. The team is actively celebrating Colin Sexton making the Rising Stars game as an injury replacement, (laughs) which is uh, not great, Bob. But uh, things are not all doom and gloom. Things there is fun stuff to keep to be tracking towards. And um, yeah, things uh, uh, I think, I think we all needed a win like tonight's win against the Hawks. It'd been a long time. It's been a long time since we had a game that felt really good. It had been a long time and it's going to be a long time until the Cavaliers play next. They've got nine days off. They next play uh, on February 21st uh, at Washington. Uh, so, you know, we're going to re we're going to rest up. We're going to recharge. Uh, we're going to re- watch the rising stars game. Just kidding. Not me. Um, and, uh, enjoy all-star weekend. Hope you guys too. If you'd like to support the chase down pot, you can do so by subscribing, unsubscribing, resubscribing and cook those books. You can subscribe to the chase down premium, uh, which is basically like Patreon, except Patreon doesn't get an enormous cut of the money. Uh, you can find that by just literally Googling chase down premium. Remember when Justin used to read the whole URL? That was hilarious. H T T P S colon backslash backslash C H A S E dash D O W N dash. It was sitting there writing it down as fast as they can. Yep. That's, that's probably what they were doing in the car while driving, listening to the pod. 
I don't know if we talked that one through on the pod or it's like, Justin, I think they could just Google it. <laughs> I think that might be easier than the whole URL. Nah, they need it. They need the whole URL. Got to spoon feed people. Anyway, go ahead and subscribe to Chase Down Premium and support the podcast. Uh, follow Jeff at Sports Nom. And uh, thank you for listening. And as always, go Cavs. <laughs>